0: You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Does anybody know what we're talking about? The gospel. We're actually going to wrap up our our teaching on the gospel this morning. And then next week I will begin a uh, brand new uh, series entitled In Training. And you'll need to come and find out what that is. But how many of you know that we're trying to do some things that we actually should be training to do? Well, come next week. And I promise you this uh, very important series that we'll be, we'll be starting on next week. Um, my assignment, as, as I believe uh, is proper to call it, that I feel like the Lord has put in my heart, in my mind. I mean, I just feel like he's um, driven me in a sense, focused me on this series has to do with the gospel of course and I'm going to go ahead and get that up here so there's no mistaking our our topic the gospel. Anybody know what the gospel means? Good news. That as we look at the gospel that here's my assignment is to bring clarity and emphasis. Clarity and emphasis uh, several reasons. And if I'm going to clarify and emphasize something, sometimes that involves a little bit of review. I want to do that just real quick here, clarity and emphasis, because if we don't have the right clarity and we have the wrong emphasis on it, you're either going to live in a false hope or a false guilt. And neither one of those are healthy for you. And so we, we want to be able to in life, uh, and then in in our eternal life as well, that we've got a proper, Uh, clarity and emphasis on the gospel. The other thing, and this is huge for me, is that generationally, if one generation, this, this is what tends to happen, historically has happened over and over again. One generation believes something. If they don't handle that right, then the next generation just accepts it and assumes it. And then the third generation, if nothing has changed, they either never hear of it or they forget about it or they would even deny it. When instead, what is supposed to happen is this truth is to endure, is to go on to generation to generation to our children and to our children's children. And speaking of children's children, um, my child's child, uh, little Gavin, he's he's uh, almost 11 months and uh, the last week or so he started to walk a little bit. And so the, uh, Katie was over at the house the other day with him and, and he had this little flashlight thing that hooks on a keychain, and he was playing with that, kind of liking it. Not strong enough to push the button, but if you push it, it's a flashlight. So I was kind of doing that and we had him in the living room and I'm flashing it at him and he's distracted by the light to come toward the light and just kind of forgot about him, knew it walking. So he took about four or five steps there, you know, <laughs> so, come in, so that was awesome. And, uh, but this is the, this is the thing as cute as he is and as smart as he is. And both of those things are genetic, you know, uh, what, uh, but as cute as he is, as smart as he is and all of those things, do you know what I want most for him? I want him to understand and live in the fullness of what God has for him. I want him to know the real depth of the gospel. The joy that that brings. And, and we're going to bring greater meaning to it this morning. And then should Jesus tarry and Gavin has children? I, w- I want it to be passed on theirs. So I don't want this to be some fading glorious thing. It is not meant to be. It does not have to be. But here's what we have to do is emphasize. And that's why I feel like the Lord has put this on me for the series. To clarify and em- emphasize emphasizes so we can understand it so we can actually know what is this gospel because listen if you don't understand let me put it this way what you don't understand can be taken away from you in the parable of the sower which to me is more the parable of the soils in one instance the seed was sown and and as soon as the seed was was thrown out it says that birds came immediately and stole that seed away In Jesus' illustration, or excuse me, explanation of of that parable, he said, that's the one who heard but did not understand. Here's the point. When you hear something but you don't understand it, the devil can come and take it away from you. So that's why my job is not to shout and dance and froth at the mouth and scream and get everybody sweaty and excited. My job is that when you walk out of here, that you have understanding So that you have something that the enemy cannot take away from you that Jesus paid such a dear price for you. So that's why we're going to emphasize and clarify the gospel. Amen. Now, sin is the problem. Sin was the problem. Sin created the bad news. If we've got good news, then there must be some bad news. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second here. But it is uh, sin created the bad news. Sin ruins everything. Sin ruins every. It ruins relationships. It ruins communication. It ruins trust. It ruins families and businesses. And, and sin is just, it, it ruins everything that's a part of it. And it's what created the, the bad news. And you don't fully appreciate the good news unless you know about the bad news. Last night, just before service, um, we got notified that one of our Marion County Sheriff's deputies had been shot in the chest, in the line of duty. And we prayed and we didn't know what all was going on at that point. And um, come to find out he is fine. Now, here's the bad news. Ready? The bad news is he got shot in the chest. The good news is he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Now, I've I've ridden for... I don't know, 12, 13 years with sheriff deputies. And and on occasion, especially this time of year, some of them start to say, this thing is itchy. This thing is heavy. This thing is hot. And you know what? You can maybe get a little lax about the good news that you're wearing until you run into bad news like that. And the good news suddenly has great context in your life once it's put in the context of the bad news. And so thank God that he is... He is okay, and um, thank God he had a vest on. And let me just go ahead and tell you why we're at it, and thank God for good law enforcement in our county. You need you need to thank God for that. Amen. But the bad news, uh, the problem is so radical. It this is not just a little thing. This is not a little mess up. It, the bad news is so bad. The problem is so radical. It's so extreme. It's so far reaching that the good news, the solution has to be as equally radical, extreme. You need to know that the gospel is something that is extreme and it's far reaching. is not a little Sunday school word here. Y'all hear me? This is extreme. And it had to be because of the extreme mess and problem that we'll go into this morning that the bad news has created. So let's look at the gospel. And again, if we're going to look at the good news, it has to have associated with it the bad news. Well, here's the bad news. Everybody has sinned. Everybody has sinned. And the penalty for that sin is death. Death. That's the bad news part. The good news part. Jesus stepped in, died for us, and paid the penalty for us. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Say, that's me. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Charles Spurgeon, famous British preacher. We, we put this up every week. I want to put it up again for us. The four words that describe the gospel. Y'all want to help me out on this? Jesus died for me. Say it again. Jesus died for me. Now forgive the, the, uh, Repetition and review here, but you've got to understand something or we really there's no purpose in us taking any further steps from this Okay, jesus died for me, but I don't want that to just be some little cutesy phrase First of all, you've got to know it's for me say for me It's for me. It should have been me and in, instead of me. He did this for me took my place If you don't if, if you lose substitution, you lose the gospel You've got to know that that's what this is about is Jesus, his substitutionary atonement. He stepped in and he did this for us. Now, this really has no meaning if we don't understand fully the underpinnings, the the foundation of who this Jesus is. And I've said this and I've emphasized this and I've clarified this because I want you to walk out of here with this, okay? Who is this Jesus that died for me? Let me just go over some of it real quick here. He is God who became flesh, incarnation, the virgin birth, lived a sinless life, died on the cross, substitutionary for us, bodily buried, literal resurrection by the power and glory of God, ascended into heaven, and and will come back again. That Jesus, that one is the one who died for me. So, this phrase here, Jesus died for me, should be loaded for you. It should not just be four little pat religious words. It just should be loaded for you. Some things I mentioned to you, you know, they mean far more than just the words that you see right there. I could say Library of Congress. And how many of you know that's a lot of stuff? You know, Library of Congress. Okay, y'all aren't connecting with that one. Grocery store. Okay, grocery store. I mean, you think of a lot of things. The smells. I like going to the grocery store because you got the smell of the deli, the smell of the, break, the bakery. You, you got, uh, I love the smell of the soap aisle. And you got people cooking stuff on the end of the row. It's called gift with purchase. And you got food. And thank God we have food on our shelves, y'all. We do have food on our shelves and, and it's available to us in grocery store. It represents, you know, I'm thinking when I'm going through putting things in the, in the bug and stuff, I'm thinking breakfast and packing lunches. And I'm thinking now the real deal, heavy duty things that have to be planned out. That's my wife. You know, she does that, but you know, those things. So you're, you're thinking things and grocery store is kind of a big old term for us in the same way that that is loaded. This needs to be more loaded for you that Jesus. And I just told you all those things. And that doesn't even begin to tell the whole story died for me. That's good news. That's the gospel. Amen. Now the bad news created four scenarios, four, uh, situations or needs that are met by the good news. And in the sake of, for the sake of time, I went ahead and wrote down these four, these four things here. And so this column over here, we're going to call this our bad news column. Okay. And they are these things, penalty, everybody say penalty, penalty. Wrath, wrath, separation, separation. bondage. And we'll go over these real quick, but the, the main thing is we want to see how the gospel fixed these things. All of this is the result of sin. All of this is the result of the original fall of man. And because Adam sinned and was disobedient, sin entered the whole human race and with sin came death and is all the destruction and everything that came with it, including now as it relates to God, penalty, wrath, separation, and we are in bondage. And so what do we do about this? Let's look at the penalty. First of all, the penalty is death. The, the, Romans six twenty three. the wages of sin is, is death. That is the penalty and it must be paid. The second thing is wrath. Now, wrath is angry displeasure. How many of you have ever had wrath before? Okay, it's angry displeasure, but you need to know that God's wrath is against sin It's against sin We've heard the the saying before that God hates the sin and loves the sinner true or false True, absolutely true And I want everybody here no matter where you're at with God now get this and this is not gospel light This is truth here and this has to be clarified here. God's not mad at you his wrath, and I'll illustrate it further for you in just a few moments here. His wrath is against sin. The Bible tells us in uh, Romans 1.18 that the wrath of God is against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Not against men. Get this. God is not against you. God is not mad at you. He has he has some angry displeasure of sin's effects in your life and that you would participate with that, that you would be involved with that, that you would allow that. He he hates the ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men. And we are not appointed unto wrath. So the wrath is not against us, but it is against sin. But guess what? We're, right, we're tied right in there with this, with this whole situation. There has to be a solution for the wrath. Okay, you still here? We'll bring more light to that in just a moment. Then separation or alienation. Because of sin, we're separated from God. Ephesians says that we're alienated from the life of God. Sin does that. Sin separates. When sin comes in, sin separates us from God. And I'm going to tell you something else. Sin also is designed to separate us from others. So we've got penalty, wrath, separation, and then bondage. The bondage literally means this, is you can't get out of it. You can't get out of it. You know, one time uh, with Samson, they tied him up with some kind of ropes that uh, he lied to Delilah about. And they tied him up with that. And they thought that they had him, root word, bound. But guess what? He was not bound because he had the power to get out of it. So if, if you can get out of it, it is not bondage. But this is, we are powerless to help ourselves. We are in bondage to sin and we are in bondage to Satan. Something has to be done about the penalty, the wrath, the separation and the bondage. So that brings us to the good news. So I want to start a good news, a good news column over here. So the first thing for the penalty is sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. Here's the bad news, the penalty. The good news is the sacrifice of Jesus. Let me read a couple of verses for you here. In Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty six, it says, "He, Jesus, has appeared or has uh, he has shown up to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself." In Ephesians five two, it says, "And walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice." to God for a sweet smelling aroma. So he put away sin because he was the sacrifice. He put away the penalty. He gave himself as the sacrifice. How many of you like baseball, play baseball? What, what do y'all people do? Especially now that dancing with the stars is over. How many of you have ever heard of baseball? Okay. I grew up at the baseball field. I love baseball. In baseball, something happens and it gets scored as a sacrifice. And what happens is somebody is on base. You've got first, second, third, and home. And you've got to get all the way around. I'm explaining this because some of you are like, baseball? Um, So you've got somebody on base and... You come up to bat and either intentionally or unintentionally, it can end up being a sacrifice, which means this. You get put out so they can advance. Let me go over again. You get put out so that they can advance. And if you did it intentionally, a really good hitter can kind of direct his hit. And he can pull one way or the other and he will pull that he will pull the ball and hit it a different place so that it causes the play to be focused in a different area so that, yes, I'll get put out, but that runner can advance. And it's called a sacrifice. And it's a it's an awesome thing to do. And even though you come back to the dugout, I got put out. Look what you did, though. You advanced a runner. You you maybe even helped them score. You're helping your team. It's a sacrifice. You gave up something so that somebody could advance. And that's what Jesus did for us. Sacrifice. He got put out, so to speak, so that you and I could advance. You follow that? For wrath, and here's here's a big word here. Propitiation. Everybody say it. How many of you used that word this week? Okay. Uh, however, it's in the Bible. Let's look at it real quick. In First John chapter two, verse one and two. It says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if or but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the. There you go, propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only but also for the whole world. So that's like all sin. Then in 1 John 4:10 it says, "In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins." Now the word propitiation means here in the Greek it means atonement or at one myth It means satisfaction and appeasement, but it is not, please hear this. It is not just placating somebody. God has angry displeasure over the whole sin thing. And so Jesus came and was the propitiation for our sins that caused this mess. But it's not just a, a, a placating, so to speak, just trying to calm him down a little bit and Give him some time, he'll get over it. No, this actually means that something has to get fixed. Let me illustrate. Let's say you get a beautiful brand new car and you're you're waiting somewhere in traffic, not at church, and somebody backs into you. And you have come on. You have, you have some angry displeasure. It's like, what? You've got to be kidding me. Who did this? You don't do all that out loud. It's all inside, you know, put it back in park and you get out and you're like, who did this? And they take a little while getting out of their car and they get out and they come over and it's the sweetest little old lady on the earth. And then she gets closer and you realize it was your kindergarten teacher. (laughs) You loved her. You've told a million stories about her. She's the most influential person in your life. And then suddenly there she is. Oh, I am so sorry. But you still have what? Come on, you got wrath. But you're not going to throw her down. You love her. So you're not mad at her, but you have displeasure about this whole thing. You start to think, you know, maybe you're a little too short and old to be driving, you know, or (laughs) something. And you're like, how did this happen? And And then what if she starts to just placate you? What if she says, I'm so sorry. And you were such a good student. It's a bright spot in my day. You still got what? And then she goes to help out a little bit. And she looks in her purse somewhere in here. I got a coupon for some free tacos. (laughs) You still have what wrath? Well, what if she goes on to say, but my son owns a auto repair body shop. And my other son is the commissioner of insurance And if that didn't work, my other son owns a car dealership. We'll make this right for you. And I promise you that by Tuesday morning, you will have a new car or your car as good as new. That folks is called, come on, propitiation. And propitiation now takes away the real wrath. There's no reason for me to have this anymore. Because I know I don't got to have my car fixed. I got a coupon for a free taco. Okay, you with me? So all of that said, wrath, God's angry displeasure, he loves you. But it's like, come on. Look what this is doing. But Jesus came and he didn't just placate the father and say, Father, they're, they're silly, you know that, you made them. Jesus came and what? fixed it he fixed it jesus is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world that takes takes away the wrath did you get that yes. separation alienation this is another big word oh lord reconciliation everybody say that one reconciliation, reconciliation. And so with reconciliation, let's read out of Romans chapter five, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were help me reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life and not only that but we also rejoice in God through our Lord through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom now we have now received the reconciliation and what the reconciliation does is it cures the separation because what it does, it puts you back at one again. It makes you compatible again. It settles the issues. In Ephesians 2.14, it says, For he himself is our peace, who have, has made us both one, reconciliation, and has broken down the middle wall of what? Of Separation. That's a beautiful example of separation, that it's the, there's a middle wall. Have you ever had a, a situation where it was a friend or whatever, and you're okay, and then something happens. And now there's something between us. Three of you. Same three that like baseball, though, so... But what happens, they owe you money, they said something, they took your girl, they, you know, they stole your bike, whatever it would be. And now you've got something between you. And when you see each other, there's an awkwardness. Come on, y'all been here. And there's that, but you know what? If reconciliation happens, something happens to resolve the wall that is between you. And that's what Jesus did for us. It was our sin. It was our uh, offenses that kept us separated from God, but through the reconciliation through his own son, Jesus Christ, right there out of scripture it's through what Jesus did. He broke down and bulldozed out the middle wall of separation so that we could be one again. Why did he do it? Because of his love. Let me tell you the the bottom line nature of love. Love always tries to close the distance. Here's love and here's the one that is love. Love always tries to come closer. You know it in your own life. The people you love, you can't wait to get home to. You can't wait to hear them, to see them. Love always tries to close that distance. And God so loved us that he sent his son to tear down this middle wall of separation, to reconcile us, to make us compatible again with God. And there's no way we could be compatible with God again till we get that sin issue taken care of. And Jesus did that for us. Notice that's in the good news column right there. One more here. And for bondage, redemption. Redemption. It means that he came and did some things by ransom, by deliverance, by rescue to free us from what we could not free ourselves from. In Mark 10, verse 45, it says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a Ransom has to do with redemption, a ransom for many. In Colossians 1, 13 and 14, listen to this one. He has delivered us. Okay, we couldn't help ourselves. Guess what? He came in special ops, middle of the night. Rescue operation. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, frees us from what we were powerless to free ourselves from. Let me wrap this up. The penalty is paid. The wrath has been satisfied. The separation has been removed. The bondage has been broken. And the results are in. What on earth, hear me, get to, don't miss this moment. What on earth does this have to do with my today? What on earth, how can I walk out of here and apply this somehow? What difference does this make? I know it has to do with sin and history and heaven and all of that. The penalty has been paid. The wrath has been satisfied. The separation has been taken away. The bondage has been removed. We've been freed from that. But how does this help me? What is the takeaway of this? Here's what the takeaway is. Get this here. Because of all of this, because of what Jesus has done. You ready? Coming right down to here, we have peace with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus did for us. Hold on. In Romans 5 1, it says this Therefore, having been justified by faith, We have peace with God. Get this next line through our Lord Jesus Christ. Every time, anytime you see anything related to that through our Lord Jesus Christ is describing the gospel. It's what Jesus has done for us because of all that Jesus did for us. Listen to me. We have peace with God. I have peace with God. I'm at peace with God get this he's at peace with me and with you and listen it's not this neutral peace kind of thing how many of you have ever been to class reunion how many of you never went to school or anywhere else okay well just suppose for a moment you went to one okay i've been to a couple and when you go there's some people you cannot wait to see and there's some other people you hope you don't see and there's some other people you see them and you have no idea who they are. They tell your name and "How so you sit by you, you stabbed you with a pencil, everything else. You know, I, I never seen you before in my life. How are you doing? Listen, it's not that kind of thing that you're just, and listen, they were in your classes. Maybe they were in five years of your classes or whatever. And you're technically at peace with them, which just means, you know, we didn't have any problems. It's okay. I'm not talking about that kind of peace. I'm talking about the kind of peace we have with God. God is for us. God is for us. And let me go take a little step further here. Once you have peace with God, that now allows for the peace of God. That's what this means for today and for this afternoon and for tomorrow and Tuesday. Y'all get the idea? And Wednesday and going on and on. What does all this mean? It means that I have peace with God, and as a result of that, I also have the peace of God. Now, let me just finish it up. The penalty is paid. The wrath is satisfied. Jesus fixed it. The separation is removed. The bondage is broken. I have peace with God. I have the peace of God. And because I believe this, I'm going to heaven and not hell. And my past is redeemed. And my present makes sense. And my future is secure and I'm never alone and I'm never without help all because Jesus died for me. And I don't care who you are. That's good news. That's good news. Did you get anything at all out of this?